This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. New Year has a lot of hope to it, has a lot of possibilities. People come in, they're just full of hope. Hope it's going to be a great year. Hope it's going to be something that's, that's productive, something that's powerful. And uh, it's just a, it's always a, a hope-filled time. I always enjoy the New Year. People say, Alan, do you make New Year's resolutions? I don't necessarily make resolutions as much anymore. Here, here's how I kind of plan it. I determine for the year what I want to become, and then I work backwards from there. In other words, instead of saying, hey, I, I want to lose weight, I, I, I say, yeah, as we bring you donuts. Um, <laughs> I, I say, I, I want to be fit, and so then work backwards from there. Maybe if you're a student, you say, you know, I want to be an A-B student or an A student. What's it going to take? And I work backwards from there. Maybe you're thinking, I, I would like to be a, a top tier, and you fill in the blank, engineer, salesman, supervisor. What's it going to take then if that's what we want to become? You can take it spiritually as well. Uh, you know, this year, I really have it on my heart. I, I want to develop a, a very meaningful, a more meaningful prayer life. And what will it take to, to develop that? So it's, it's something that, that you can kind of work towards. But as we face a new year and facing all these possibilities, if I came out here and said, are you ready for an okay 2020? I don't think anybody gets motivated by that. If you look up the word okay and it means, it means adequate. It means all right. I don't think anybody really wants all right. Maybe, you're, well, caveat, if, if your 2019 was horrible, you're, you're thinking, I'd just like to have an okay 2020. But I, I think most of us would like to say, hey, I want it to be better than that. So in this series in January, I'm doing a series called Beyond Okay. And the idea behind this series is, is that we can learn not just to have a month that's full of possibilities, but we can have a life that's full of possibilities. And so as we look at January, there's always this hope. But I'd like to look at the same way in June and October, that there's still a hope that there's still something possible. Because just okay, I don't think anybody just wants okay, including God. Now, now stop thinking about it for a moment. If you've gone out to eat, especially in a nicer restaurant, have you noticed that they always use very, um, very precise words? They'll come by and they'll say, especially with the Papa's family, is your food perfect? And, and I don't want to argue with a server because that can go bad for you, but... Uh, I, I want to go, what's well, good, but it's not, but, but they don't come out and go, is your food okay? And so, you know, at, um, at Chick-fil-A, if you go to Chick-fil-A, their famous words are what? My pleasure. So everybody says that now. No one goes, okay. They don't do okay. They, they do my pleasure because it's, it's, an, it's an elevated word. You know, if, if you see someone fall, they're, maybe they're walking out through the parking lot and they fall down. Most of the time, we don't walk up and go, are you great? We go, hey, hey, are you okay? There's reminds me of a, a cowboy coming back from a, a rodeo. He had his favorite dog in his truck. He pulling his favorite horse. It'd been a long rodeo. He was tired. He was sleepy. And he nodded off at the wheel. When he woke up, he was veering off the road, hit the shoulder. The truck flipped. The trailer flipped. Threw the horse out. Threw the, threw the dog out. Threw him out. And when he woke up, he, he, he came to. He's lying in a ditch. He tried to get up, but he realized that he'd broken his left leg and his right foot, and his arm was broken, his, 
His ribs were crushed. He was having a hard time breathing. So he's laying there trying to think what to do, and he hears his horse. His horse is in obvious distress, and his dog is whimpering, and he's so frustrated. But a Texas Ranger comes on the scene, first one in. Pulls over, and he walks out. The Ranger comes to the horse first, and he sees the horse has got broken legs. He's way beyond repair. Pulls his sidearm off and puts the horse out of his misery. Comes to the dog, and he sees the dog is crushed and whimpering. This guy's got a tender heart. He pulls his gun out, puts the dog out of his misery. He keeps walking a little bit further and he sees the cowboy lying in a ditch. He said, uh, you okay? Cowboy looks at that smoking gun and that ranger. He said, sir, I have never been better in my life. <laughs> the, the idea of being okay. You don't sell books that say from good to okay. You don't sell marriage books that say how to have an okay marriage. And the good news is that God doesn't want you to simply have an okay life. His plan for you is way beyond okay. In John, the 10th chapter, Jesus was speaking. He contrasted himself with the enemy. In John 10, 10, he said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. A life to the full is a life that just has such great possibilities. Yesterday, I watched a really good football game. I, I, I did. I, I said, Alan, shouldn't you have been preparing for this message? Well, I tried. I really did. But the first half was so bad, I thought the second half had to be better. And, and of course, it, it, it turned out to be great. But one of, the, one of the stories that was circulating around this game was the return of J.J. Watt. And he had torn a pectoral muscle which I have never done and hope I never do. But it required surgery. And when he did it, it was a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago, he, he, I think he sent out a tweet that says, I'm, or Instagram, he said, I'm done for the year. This is tough. But I, I saw an interview with him. And he was talking and he said, he said, you know, three days after the surgery, he said, I started feeling really, really good. He said, I contacted my, my surgeon. I said, is, is it actually possible that I could come back maybe by the, by the playoff time. And the surgeon said, well, it's, it's never been done before, but I'm sure there's, there's a possibility. J.J. Watt said, when I heard him say that, he said it opened the door to him. And it gave him, it changed his whole perspective of recovery. And so when he heard it's possible, then it, then it just, it opened up something for him and it changed how he recovered and how he trained and how he came back. And actually his coming back was pretty miraculous. And, uh, and that sack that he put on the Buffalo quarterback was really awesome. And, but the, the thing, I, I, I thought about that, and then I think, hey, when we hear Jesus say, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full, that should open a door to us that our God is a God of possibilities and the way things have been does not always determine how they're going to be going forward, but he is a God who can do great things and we connect with him the possibilities become endless. And we begin to think, hey, that's all I need to do is, is begin to connect with him. Now, I've, if you'll notice, and you Dallas fans notice, I didn't even mention you. <laughs> because one of the things I want to become this year is less snarky toward Dallas Cowboy fans. <laughs> and it's really, really hard. <laughs> the idea of connecting, making a connection with God, connecting with his way, connecting with the father of possibilities is what opens the door to us.
I want to show you a story in the New Testament where a man who is a father who makes a connection with Jesus and how that connection with Jesus really changed something in his life. It's found in Mark, the ninth chapter, as Jesus deals with a man with a demon-possessed son. So one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so that you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. Whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So ask your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. His father instantly cried out, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. You can hear the anguish of a father. You can put yourself just in the the father's shoes. You say, Alan, the the Bible is really ancient. It's really old. I, I can't relate. Listen, the culture may be different, but the same things that people went through then are the very same things we deal with now. And the agony and the agony of a parent who has a child that you had to watch all the time because this child, he would, he would throw himself, and you couldn't even go to the lake, but the child would throw himself into the water. He'd be sitting around the fire, maybe trying to enjoy a family time, and the child would throw himself into the fire and the, and, and, and the demonic forces drove this child. Sometimes he would fall on the ground and gnash with his teeth. Can you imagine living that way? And not just for a few weeks, for years. So you can, you can hear an anguish of a father looking at Jesus going, if you can do anything, just have mercy on us and help us. You couldn't get help anywhere else. Even Jesus' disciples could do nothing for this boy. So you're talking about a dad who's at the end of his rope. He's like, man, I... Don't you know he's tried everything? Nothing's working. And the anguish that this causes a parent is tough. And Jesus responds, but he has kind of a surprising response. Everybody knows Jesus doesn't always respond the way people think. And Jesus looked at him and said, well, if I can. And he said, if you can believe. He said, anything becomes possible to him that believes. Indicating that he needed something from this dad. He needed, he needed some belief from this dad. Now listen, when you read this, don't think Jesus was being harsh. Jesus was never harsh. He was, he was firm with the, with the Pharisees. He was firm with the hypocrites. He wasn't trying to embarrass this father. He wasn't trying to put this father down. He was trying to help him. And he said, if you, he said anything becomes possible to him that believes. And this father, I love his honest answer. This father just said, I, I do believe. And maybe we can fill in the blanks here. I do believe, but Lord, this has been going on a long time. I do believe, but this has caused immeasurable hurt to me and my family. I do believe, but I just don't see any answers out there. Lord, I believe, but would you, would you help me overcome my unbelief? What an honest answer. He said, man, I'm, I'm struggling here. Jesus cast the demon out of the child, restored the boy, and he became normal. Aren't you glad we have a Jesus that still delivers, still heals, still ministers, and still leaves us better than where he found us. And he left this boy in in a better place, but it underscores the importance of what do we believe and making the connection with God with whom all things are possible. 
So let, let me close this today with to give you some things of how we can make a connection in 2020, a connection with God. Here's, here's the first one. What the father said was powerful. He said, I do believe. One of the things we want to do this year is constantly affirm our faith in God, not our doubts. Over the years, I've, I've talked with people. I have them come down to the front. They're like, Alan, my child has, has gone off to college and they're starting to doubt and they're starting to doubt God and they're starting to doubt. I've heard that more than once. I've had people come to me and say, Alan, I'm, I'm really starting to doubt. I'm really starting to doubt. What, what can I do? One of the very first things I tell them is stop, stop giving voice to your doubts. Stop talking doubts all the time. Give voice to your faith. I do believe in God. I do believe he's real. I do believe that will do something. He said, oh, no, no, Alan, they're just words. No, they're more than words. Words are powerful. Words do something in our life. The proverb says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, but they that love it will eat its fruit. The message Bible says this, and I think it's a powerful phrase. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. You choose. Now here's, now we know this. If you're trying to restore and repair and build your marriage, you don't look at your spouse and go, I have no idea why I married you. I have no idea at all. That is not going to bless anybody. Over the years, Joy and I have looked and we've laughed and we've said, I'm renewing your contract for another year. I am so glad I married you. I, I am so glad that you're in my life. And I'm so, what are you doing? You're speaking life. You want a relationship, you gotta speak life to it. You don't look at your kids and go, why, did, why didn't we stop at one? Why did we have so many? You don't say that if you wanna speak life to your kids. You tell them, God's got a plan for you. There's good things in store for you. God can do something marvelous in your life. We speak life to the relationships we want. Why don't we speak life to our relationship with God? I say this on a regular basis. I love you, God. I, I trust you, God. I serve you, God. What are you doing? I'm, I'm speaking life to my relationship with him. I believe you. I believe in God. Your doubts, ignore them, starve them, and they don't become as strong. Feed your faith and they get stronger. Here's the second thing. If you want to open up the possibilities this year, make a connection with the father of possibilities. One of the best ways to do that is through prayer. Now we have here a prayer card. Many of you saw our Facebook, Instagram post where we talked about praying and fasting in, in this year, uh, in this month of, uh, of January. Uh, fasting is when you, you say no to something. People, some people can fast food or you fast dessert. Uh, this, this month in January, I am fasting sugar. Uh, now I realize, you know, someone's going to write me an email. Alan, do you realize how much sugar is in? Yeah, I, I got it. I understand that. But I'm talking about no intentional hot tamales. No intentional cookies, candies, cakes. Hot, fresh, Krispy Kreme donuts. No, and no. <laughs> nothing intentional along those lines. So I'm just saying no. Listen, fasting doesn't change God. Fasting changes us. And so we just, we begin to say no to some things. Now, I, I really encourage people not to try to fast food for 30 days. And I, you say, well, Jesus did it. I'm right, you're not him. And so um, <laughs> it, it's, it's just something I would not advise. But, uh, but you, can, you can fast, maybe it's internet. Maybe it's, it's, it's some television show, but you're just saying no. But then we're, then we're, we're praying. Now, sometimes you talk about prayer and people are like, oh, prayer, I have, I've, I've tried that. And it's just, it's tough for me. We've got here 
uh, the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we've got it here on the card. Now, Joy already corrected me and told me that I, I don't have it in King James. And everybody knows it in King James. But um, my perfection has, has, has dwindled. So here's, here's the Lord's Prayer in New King James. You want to pray it with us? Let's pray it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now here's a couple of ways that you can couple ways you can pray that. You can pray that prayer verbatim. You can pray it during the course of the day and just repeat it during the course of a day. It's a wonderful prayer. And you can use it as a foundation for your prayer. Now, what do you mean foundation? It's kind of like a template. It becomes a template where you start with relationship, our Father in heaven. So oftentimes when I'm praying this prayer and just talking to the Lord, I just say, Lord, I want to thank you that you're my Father, that you're a good Father. You're, you're, you're my Father in heaven and holy and reverent awesome is your name. So you start off with, with, with prayer and then we pray, your kingdom come and your will be done. Now, real quick, this year, 2020, I believe can be a really good year. I believe we'll see a lot of difficulty and, and, and strife and turmoil in our nation as we face another election. I really believe, and I hope you will join me in this, praying, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done in America, in our land. And pray that your will be done in America. Your will be done in our area. Father, your will be done in our church. Your will be done in, my, in our family. Your will be done in my life. So it, it begins to give you a, a template for praying. Give us this day our daily bread. And we begin to pray, Lord, the things that I need today. See, this is a daily, this is a conversation with God. It's not, not a formal thing, but Lord, I, I need some help in this. I, I like what Joy shared this morning, how... She's sorting things. I, I need some help understanding this. I'm having a difficult time. You can talk to God this way. You can converse with him in a conversation, but you use this as a template. I need some help. I need some things today. Would you, would you help me in this area? And would you forgive me as I forgive? You know, we go walking through life and all of us make mistakes. I do, you do. And sometimes we just need to say, Lord, forgive me and I, I forgive the people who have hurt me or deemed me or, or done something to me. Lord, forgive me and I'm, I'm, for, I'm forgiving them. And then we, then we begin to pray for, for yours is the kingdom. Power. And the glory. No, no, I'm sorry. Lead us away and deliver us from evil. There's evil in the world. And there's, don't, if you don't think so, just look how many stabbings and shootings, things go on. There's evil. That's not God. That's the enemy. And there's evil. And Jesus said, lead us away from evil and deliver us from evil. It's a great way to pray. Lord, deliver us. Deliver my family. Deliver us from the evil that's in the earth. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Starts with you, ends with you. Don't make prayer difficult. You can make it, you're not going to get graded on it. The Lord's not going to look and go, that was a D. I don't know why you. <laughs> Heard a story a number of years ago, I, th I think it was really good. A, 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 a pastor received a phone call from a, uh, a lady. He didn't know her. She said, listen, my father used to go to that church. He's, he's been ill, bedfast. He's dying. Would you come and pray with him? He said, sure. Pastor came to the house. When he came there, the man was propped up on pillows and he had a chair beside the bed. 
And the pastor said, oh, are you, are you expecting me? And, and the man looked at him and said, no, I don't know who you are. Who are you? He said, well, I'm the pastor of, of the church that you attend. He said, oh, yeah. He said, well, what's with the chair? And uh, the man said, would you close the door, please? And so the pastor closed the door. And the man said, you know, he said, uh, he said, for years I heard my pastor talk about prayer. He said, I never got it. It always kind of went over my head, so I just stopped praying. He said, but I was talking to a friend one time. The friend said, he said, oh, man, don't make prayer so difficult. He said, just put a chair in front of you and just imagine Jesus sitting in that chair. He said, now that's not weird because Jesus said he would never leave us or forsake us. He said, so you, just, you talk with him as you would a friend, as you would someone that you love and trust. He said, so you just talk to him. The man told the pastor, he said, I started doing that. He said, I've been doing it for four years. He said, Pastor, I want to tell you something. It's the most marvelous thing. He said, sometimes I found myself talking to the Lord there for, for two hours at a time. Pastor felt, felt, felt he ought to have a man pray for him instead of him praying for the man. But he, 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 he just encouraged him, prayed for him, told him to stay strong with God. And two days later, the pastor received a phone call at his home. And uh, the girl said, it was the same girl. He said, uh, he said, she said, Pastor, I uh, want to talk to you about funeral arrangements. Daddy passed away today. He said, well, I'm sorry to hear that. She said, oh, it was peaceful. She said, but it was kind of weird. He said, really? He said, yeah. She said, yeah. She said, I went into his room. I'd been out shopping. When I came back, I, she said, I went into his room and found he had passed away. She said, the strangest thing, Pastor, his head was laying in the chair. It's conversation. It's not hard got a God that loves you. You can talk to him. 23rd Psalm is the second thing. Making a connection with God. 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's, let's do this together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. The beautiful thing about the 23rd Psalm is you make it personal in your life. And when you make it personal, you make it powerful. So when you just simply begin to say, Lord, you are my shepherd and you will lead me and guide me. Lord, thank you that you restore my soul. It again, becomes a template of what you're declaring that the Lord is in your life. Not just a poem, a reality. You restore the areas in my life that hurt. Lord, even when I walk through difficult times, and go through the valley of the shadow of death. You have never abandoned me and you never will. In fact, I don't have to be tormented by fear and anguish because I know that you're always with me and your rod and staff, they comfort me. You see where this gives you a, not just a, a words to say, but it gives you a basis of, of fellowshipping, of talking with God. You begin to tell him, thank you that, you, that you're my shepherd. I, I, like, I, like, I like this part. It said, uh, it said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with all my, my cup overflows. I was thinking about that as we think about okay. You know, when someone gives you an okay cup, you, they pour about halfway in. You look at it and go, is that it? But I just, I just, just an overflowing cup. I thought, you know, the Lord is the one pouring into our cup. 
And he pours and he pours it and you're thinking, okay, Lord, that, that's good. Okay, Lord, Lord, it's starting to overflow. And he's just laughing and pouring because he's not worried about a thing and that cup's just pouring over onto the floor. He's a good God. He's an abundant God. He's way beyond an okay God. Your cup overflows. Praise goodness. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Surely good. I know this is going to wind up well for me. I'm not waiting for the other shoe to drop. Goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. There's that word again, forever. This is about eternity. I've heard people talk about how to be centered. They say to be centered means that you have a reference point or a place to come back to when the emotions and challenges of life push you off balance. One of the greatest things you can do is, is to begin to quote these verses. And they help bring a reference point. They help bring us back when life can push us and emotions and things can happen. There have been times I've woken up in the night. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. I wake up in the night and I've got a problem running through my mind. Am I the only one? I don't think so. But I've got a problem running through my mind and it just runs and runs and runs and loops. And you're thinking, it, it is looping. Well, you know, if that, if that problem, if there's a problem that can loop, why can't we take God's thoughts and God's words and loop them? So I'll oftentimes... When that begins to happen, I just begin to quote out loud. You can quote, the Lord is my shepherd. So I encourage you to do that. And you can just begin to say, well, Alan, are you, are you trying to do mind control? That's exactly what I'm trying to do is mind control because it's my mind and I control what's going on inside there. And so when the problems start, thank God I can get centered around God's word. That's my reference point that brings me back to a good place. This is what a connection with God can do. And it opens up. Huge possibilities. Let me close with a story. During the Depression days, uh, a student in Stanford University in California by the name of George Danzig was a mathematics major. And he was about to graduate as a senior and he knew that there were no jobs available for him, but he had one possibility and that was getting an assistant, assistant professorship at, at Stanford there in the mathematics department. It was all gonna, there was a, a few of them that were grouped together and George believed it was all going to come down to this last test. He studied for that test like no other. In fact, he studied so much that the morning of the test, he overstudied and looked and he was running late to class. So he burst into class late and began to explain to the professor. The professor just calmed him down and said, George, here's the test. George sat down and he looked at, there were eight problems. He began to work through the problems. He finished all eight. He felt good about them. And then he looked on the board and he noticed there were two bonus problems up there. He began to work on them and he was working feverishly. He could not get those problems solved and he knew he had to solve them. He had to, he had to come up with 10 out of 10 or he wasn't going to get that job. Professor said, time's up. George was a little dismayed, but as he went and handed in his test, he asked the professor one thing. He said, professor, do you, do you mind if I take those two problems home and, and work on them at home? And to his surprise, the professor said, yes. So he took the, the problems, he took them home and he poured over them for hours. He didn't even sleep much. He didn't eat much. He just poured over those problems and he solved one of them and he poured his life into the side. He could not get it done. So he went back to the professor. He turned it in and with a heavy heart, he knew he didn't have a job. Except the fact that he was awakened the next morning with the professor pounding on its door. And he, and he opened the door. His professor said, George Danzig, you have just made mathematical history. George said, what? And the professor said, oh, that's right, George, you weren't in there. He said, before the test started, 
I was encouraging the students not to give up, just to keep persevering, that, that life wasn't always going to be perfect. In fact, I told them there were two problems that the mathematicians had determined were impossible to solve. Einstein could not even solve these problems. They were impossible, but you never stop trying. He said, George, you solved one of the problems. You solved an impossible math problems. You just made mathematical history. He got the job. He got the, in fact, he was a professor at Stanford until he retired. But what was beautiful is George Danzig did not know it was impossible for him to solve those problems. He thought it was possible. This year, as you look on this year, begin to ask yourself the question, is it possible? Is it possible with God for, for my marriage to improve? Is it possible with God for me to actually have a prayer life that's meaningful to me? Is it possible with God to come out of the problem that's, that's plagued me for a long time? Is it possible for my, there to be peace in my family? Is it possible for me, for me to be a vision on my horizon other than bleakness? Is it possible that things can actually be better? Is it possible? And the answer is yes. And if you'll believe that, if you'll connect with the God of possibilities, the possibilities with him are endless. Would you bow your heads as we pray? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Father, I want to thank you for the individuals and the families that are here today, represented. Father, you know exactly where they are. You know exactly what they're dealing with. And you know the possibilities that exist in you that are available to them. So Father, this year I ask for all of us. We connect with you in a greater way. Connect with our words that we believe you. Connect with our declarations of who you are in our life. And connect as we talk with you in prayer knowing you love us and care for us as a father. Thank you. Opening this up to us this year. Year of great possibilities. A year that's way beyond okay. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And one more, one more thing we're going to pray about. You came here today and you say, you know what, I, I don't, I'm not sure I have a relationship with God. I'm not sure where I stand with him, but I want to be sure. Or maybe you realize I've gotten away from God and I want to come back. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up or come to the front. Sitting in your chair today, give you an opportunity to make a connection with him that absolutely lasts for eternity and can absolutely change your life. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one's looking around. If that's you that I'm, that I'm talking to, you say, Alan, I, I know I want a relationship with the Lord. Or I want to come back to him. Would you pray for me? Would you just slip your hand up across this auditorium? Thank you for your courage. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Anybody else say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Put your hands now. We're going to pray. Maybe you did not lift your hand, but you wanted to. You can jump in on this prayer. This is a heart prayer. We're going to pray it together. We're going to pray it out loud. You join us. Pray it as we pray this with the church family. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer, for those who've come home and for those who've come home for the very first time. We rejoice with them and we look forward to wonderful days ahead in you. Give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.